Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. I love uh, what Dwight Moody said concerning when he dies. It is written that he said, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher. That is all out of this old clay uh, tenement into a house that is immortal, a body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. And I have to say, I'm looking forward to that day, one day, where I will be with Jesus and he will be with me. I want you to understand today that God has a place for you in heaven. And before I really get down into this, I want you to know that I want you to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven really bad. But look at me and understand something really good. If you don't go to heaven, I'm still going to heaven. I want you to go with me. I want my family to go with me. I want every single person in here, I love you so much, I want you to go to heaven. I want to spend my life getting heaven into you and getting us into heaven. That's what I want to do. But if you don't go, I'm still going. I'm still going because God has done so much for us. He's done so much for me. And there's nothing in this world that we ought to want to have more than to have Jesus. How many of you feel that way today? You look forward to making heaven your home. Amen. 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 Go with me. Go with me. But if you don't go, bye, Felicia. That's all I want to say. So the question today, uh, and I'm going I'm to touch on a number of questions. Actually, there are a lot of questions about heaven. There were some questions that had more votes, and please get out to asking for a friend. Go to our website, go to our app, submit your questions, vote. But there, were no, there was no question asked more than questions about heaven today. And the question, will I know my family in heaven, is a, is a, is a good question for us. Uh, David answers it pretty well in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And um, I want us to go there, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse uh, 22 and 23. You know, uh, King David had, I mean, he was a man after God's own heart. He had some mistakes, had some massive failures. And uh, in the middle of one of those failures, he lost his newborn son, his little baby boy. And he was brokenhearted for a number of reasons. One, because that was his son. And then number two, it was his future. And as David was mourning, verse 22, he says this. I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? No, his answer is no. He said, but... I will go to him one day, but he cannot return to me. David, King David says, I will go and spend eternity with God in heaven 
and I will go and be with my boy. What a powerful statement. This is not the only statement that's like this in the scripture. There are a number of other scriptures uh, that are here. This, I thought this was important also because this touches on another question that was asked, and that is, will children go to heaven? What, what if, a, what if, a, what if a, a, a baby is aborted? What if a small child loses his life? What if a child dies before that child has the opportunity to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And this does a part of answering that question. How many of you know that all of us, we are saved by Christ and by Christ alone? They're, they're, we are not saved by works lest we boast. We're saved only by Jesus. One other question that had been asked this week also was um, about baptism being necessary for heaven. Jesus is necessary for heaven. Water doesn't save us. Jesus saves us. But we are commanded to repent and be baptized. And so, you know, I'm gonna do what the Bible tells me to do. I wanna get baptized. Look, I have baptized people right in the hospital while they're terminally ill on their deathbed, and I couldn't submerge them all the way under the water. I sprinkled them. I, I practiced baptism by immersion, putting them under the water, like we do on Sundays so often. And I baptized people on the stage when they had a, a condition that would not allow them to go all the way under. It's not the method that matters so much, it's the man that matters. And that's the man, Jesus Christ. But in the case of a child that hasn't had the opportunity to understand sin, to understand their need for a savior, to come to a place where they can make their own decision, then we can be guided by passages like this. Also, you can be guided by experience. Um, Does anybody have teenagers today in your house? praying for y'all right now. I'm just praying for you. Uh, Is it true that you discipline and instruct your teenagers differently than your toddlers? Uh, Your toddlers, you're you're more into instruction than you are correction. You start with instruction, you get to correction, but babies just don't come in the world behaving right. They come into the world behaving crazy. And, and you have to work with them a little bit more. There's so many things they don't understand. I've told the story about when one of my kids was just a little fella and he put like a couple dollars worth of quarters into a brand new CD player that I installed in my Bronco. I never got to listen to the CD, not one time. I didn't kick my kid out of the house because he didn't know better. He didn't know, actually he was helping me in my truck. Now, if my teenager put a bunch of quarters in my CD player or or gummed up my MP3 player or whatever it is that we have in our vehicles right now, now we're going to have a problem, right? And this is the same way in the kingdom of God. Uh, We call it the age of accountability. That's what a lot of Protestants call this, is that you come to the place where you understand sin and your need for a savior, and then you place your trust in Jesus. My prayer is for each one of us here today to have a pivotal role in leading our children to the Lord. I pray that you'd be able to lead your child to the Lord one day by the side of their bed, or maybe driving down the road, or maybe you would lead them into church, lead them into church and show them the way, and then maybe at one of our youth camps, or in student ministry, or in Pathway Kids, they would come to know Jesus uh, that way. But we, we do see that there is a graduated scale of accountability and, and we understand the scriptures that if we've been given a lot, then we'll, a lot will be required of us. And I just want you to think about what that means for us here today.
Look at us, sitting in rows, pretty, wearing deodorant, behaving, for the most part, on both accounts. Um, we've come in to church today. I love coming in with my Bible, I love my paper Bible, my leather Bible. I enjoy this. I enjoy this. But I also have a whole stack of Bibles right here. I got a few hundred Bibles right here in, in, in on my phone. And we have access to more Bible knowledge than anybody in the history of the world. I'm thinking we might be held accountable for a little something in our life. What do you think? So it's not only the question of uh, will children go to heaven if they don't uh, grow to the age where they understand, the question is also what are we going to be held accountable for as people that live right here in the belt buckle of the Bible belt? Right here in America, during an age where we have uh, printed word and internet and access, immediate access to worship songs and to some of the best preachers that you will have ever heard. You can just pull them up on YouTube, on an app, on Facebook. It's something else. It's something else. We're really blessed to be in this zone. Now, will I know my family in heaven? We see that David actually... Uh, assumes here that he would be able to recognize his son in heaven despite the fact that he died as a baby. In Luke chapter 16, and I'm going to give you some references throughout this, and I'm going to see how far we can get during this message. I'm going to give you some references. I won't read everything. You may want to write it down and come back to it later. But in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, we see Abraham, Lazarus, and the rich man all recognizable after death. Right there, there's conversation going on. We see at the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah were recognizable. Uh, We see that in Matthew chapter 17, uh, verses three through four. And so it seems to me between those two passages there that people are recognizable after after death and and in eternity. In 1 John chapter three and verse two, the, the Bible declares that when we arrive in heaven, we will be like Jesus for we shall see him as he, as he is. The, what, how, what does that have to do with the other? Well, here's what it has to do with whether or not we will recognize our family in heaven because we as believers in Jesus Christ and people who take the word as our guide, as authoritative for life, we believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. We are not going to be just a bunch of disembodied spirits floating around on clouds, you know, in a Charmin commercial. It's not just going to be like that. Uh, In fact, when Jesus was resurrected, Jesus was resurrected not just as an idea, not just as a ghost, but he was physical and was resurrected bodily. In fact, when Thomas was doubting that Jesus had actually been resurrected, what was it that Jesus told them to do? He said, put your your hands and your fingers into my nail prints, into my wound, into my side. He touched them. And when Mary first went to Jesus and recognized him, she, she went to throw herself and he said, not right now, get off, get off of me, woman. He's like, back, back up, don't, don't touch me right now. He was touchable, he was, he was physical, he had physically 
been resurrected. We believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ. Here's what R.A. Torrey says. He says, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the cornerstone of Christian doctrine. It is mentioned directly 104 or more times in the New Testament. It was the most prominent and cardinal point in the apostolic testimony. When the apostolic company, after the apostasy of Judas Iscariot, felt it necessary to complete their number again by the addition of one to take the place of Judas Iscariot, it was in order that he might be a witness with us of his resurrection. That's in Acts chapter 1, verse 21, 22. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the one point that Peter emphasized in his great sermon on the day of Pentecost. His whole sermon centered in that fact. Its keynote was, quote, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses. So we believe in the physical bodily resurrection. And so we, we should expect that, we should see that, we, we should see that in Jesus, and we should expect to have a resurrection like Jesus, according to the scriptures. First uh, John chapter three and verse two points out that in the resurrection we will be just like Jesus. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears, but He's saying we don't, John says we don't know everything about what we're going to be like, but we do know this, that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So we can expect to recognize Jesus. The disciples should expect to recognize Jesus. We should expect to recognize Jesus. David should should recognize his son. Uh, You should expect to recognize Elijah and Moses. Abraham and Lazarus, I guess I'm going to recognize my dad. And I'll tell you, that's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful thought. My little cousin, Jamie, who was killed when he was two years old, I'm going to recognize him. And that's going to be a, that's going to be a wonderful thing. So, our earthly bodies and our resurrected bodies will be just like Christ, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. So some 500 people recognized Jesus after the resurrection. After the resurrection, uh, They witnessed him, they saw him. So if Jesus was recognizable in his glorified body, then we'll also be recognizable in our glorified bodies. Being able to see our loved ones is really a wonderful aspect of heaven. And it's a wonderful aspect of knowing Jesus as well. We believe that God is spirit, but we also believe that God is fully man. He is fully God and he is fully man. And we're gonna see him. We're gonna be with him. Now, one of the things about questions like this is these questions are a whole lot about us. It's a whole lot about us. Like all the things that I want to do when I get to heaven. I think I have said at some point, when I get to heaven, I want to run in my socks and just slide on the streets of gold. I thought that would be cool. And some of you are going to go fishing 
in that river. And all these things, you, you want to go and see loved ones, but let me tell you, heaven isn't all about us. Heaven is all about Jesus. He's going to be the center of everything. And there are things that you will think that you will want to do, and there are things that you will do, but the things you will want to do most is you will want to worship your creator. You will want to worship Jesus, the lamb slain from the, found, from the foundation of the earth. Really, I guess at the end of the day, heaven is just more than we can imagine. It's, it's bigger than our mind can comprehend. Now, I can think there's some places I've been that are absolutely beautiful, like nothing I've ever seen before. Yellowstone National Park may be the most beautiful place on earth. I have never seen anything like that. And sunsets here on the Gulf are unbelievable. And I'll tell you, one of the greatest feelings I've ever had was the day that I asked Kelly to marry me. It was just like, it was euphoric. It was the craziest, most amazing feeling. But there is nothing we have ever seen, nowhere we have ever gone that will even come close to matching what heaven is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in verse nine, but as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So you, we can think about it, we can ask questions about it, we can read the Bible and it's important, we will be informed and it'll give us a hunger for heaven. And the closer we get to Jesus and the further away we get from this world and the older we get and the more tender we, come, we become before the Lord, I think the more we look forward to making heaven our home. And you know, as I lose loved ones, as I, there are people in my life that I've, I've grown close to and I watch them, to, watch them slip off into eternity. There's one more reason why I wanna to get to heaven. Heaven just becomes sweeter every single day. But in my best imagination, in my best moment, my eye hasn't seen, my mind can't comprehend what heaven is gonna be like. It's gonna be better than the greatest theologian that understands the scriptures more than anyone else, greater than any vision that anyone has ever had about what, greater than any prophetic word anyone has ever had about heaven. Some experience you've had, some near death experience. It's not even close. Listen, my dad in his last days, I remember, I remember watching something spectacular happen in him. Now my dad talked about my mom, uh, my, my nana, his mom and, and my papa, his dad, all the time. But I'll tell you what, I remember one of my dad's last days seeing him reach out like he was reaching up to heaven and he said, Tina, he saw his aunt. Now, I don't know if that was some kind of physiological, chemical, you know, spark in some kind of electrical wiring system inside of his body that was making him see things or think things. I just know that as my dad was getting ready to go to heaven, he was getting ready to go to heaven. But I, I don't think that we will ever fully be able to comprehend what it's like until we actually are there. Heaven is going to be absolutely amazing. Now, here's another question that was asked. Will we receive rewards in heaven. Now, the idea for a lot of Christians is because we've been saved by faith, by the grace of God, because of faith in Christ Jesus and not of works, then we think that everybody gets the same rewards. It's not true. We get rewards, varying levels of rewards in heaven. It's not salvation. 
It's not some kind of form of punishment. It's just in the word. Um, So while we're saved by grace, we receive rewards for our works. And this happens at the judgment seat of Christ, at the Bema, where all of our life will be replayed. And that's just a scary thought to me. I'm wondering who all's gonna be watching that. (laughs) Y'all got quiet because you're nervous. You just, some of you just literally adrenaline shot into your body because you're thinking they're gonna find out about that. But in that moment, the Bible tells us that all the things that uh, are hay and stubble, all of the things that are uh, done by carnal means, they'll be burned up and everything is pure and unto the Lord, it will remain and will be rewarded based on those works uh, that remain. So it'll be uh, the judgment seat of Christ uh, will be a time where rewards come to us and then there's a, a loss of rewards. But it's not a time of punishment. It's not a time where God is, is wanting to diminish you. Uh, the finished work of Christ has taken away the sins of, of believers. So the important thing as we remember that we're saved by the grace of God, uh, we also know in whatever time that we have left. The Bible tells us that we need to be busy working while it's still day because the night's coming. And you know what? We weren't saved to be used as a little trophy to prove that God did something, but we've been saved to be kept, to be used. And you know, God loves Mobile so much that he placed you here. He loves your family so much that he placed you there. He loves your church so much that he placed you here. Not so that you're sitting there like a bump on the log, but so that you're doing things for the glory of God and to bless your neighbor. That you're loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and you're loving your neighbor as yourself. And as you love your neighbor, and as you, as you demonstrate the grace of God out of your life, which is actually the grace of God that you've received into your life, then people are going to be blessed and then God's going to want to reward you because of that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, the Bible says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Fortunately, the evil that we've done, if we are believers in Christ Jesus and followers of Christ, We will not be judged based on the evil, but Jesus will have taken that on himself. He would have borne that pain and he would have already forgiven us. That's a wonderful thing to know. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people. What does that say? According to their deeds. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 12, Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved. But like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. it's the wrong question for us to be asking, what do I need to do to get in heaven? We need to be asking the question, what can I do to bring glory to my father? I I don't want any of us just to barely make it in. Just just like, just with the flames of fire lapping at our feet as we're being snatched up out of that place. But let's enter into heaven having done something here on earth. That's my, 
my prayer for us. Let me give you really quickly, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time, just a couple minutes on this, five crowns of reward that you will receive in heaven, that people will receive in heaven. Uh, number one, the victor's crown. This is a, a crown found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 to 27. Uh, the victor's crown is for people who are disciplined to, winish, to, to, to win and finish well. The victor's crown. The second crown reward is the crown of rejoicing found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19. This is the soul winner's crown. This, this is for people who lead people to Jesus. It's, it's not good enough just for us to make it to heaven. We want to bring people along. We want to live our life in such a way that our family can make it to heaven, that our neighbors make it to heaven. Uh, the third crown is the crown of righteousness found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. This is a crown for those who long for heaven and for being in the presence of Jesus. Not just people who want a get out of hell free card, but this is for people who long, hunger and thirst after Jesus. And then there's the crown of life found in James chapter one, verse 12 and Revelation chapter two and verse 10. The crown of life is for those who persevere through persecution for difficulty, maybe being raised up in an abusive, highly abusive situation and still they persevered in knowing Christ or maybe for martyrs who gave up their life and in doing so received a crown of life. And then last, the, the, the crown of glory found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. This is for those who answer the call to leadership. The crown of glory I believe is reserved for, at least according to 1 Peter 5, 4, reserved for pastors, shepherds, small group leaders, ministry directors, hospitality workers, people that are serving and leading, maybe for spirit-filled school teachers that are going off and doing everything that they can to provide oversight and care for kids that are not theirs. I don't know, there's rewards in heaven. We're gonna recognize our family in heaven. We're gonna wanna see Jesus. We will be physically resurrected. Heaven uh, will be a pretty extraordinary place. Revelation chapter four, nine through 11, though, tells us what we're gonna do with our rewards. The Bible tells us that we're gonna throw our crowns at the feet of Jesus. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. So any reward that we get from God we'll want to give it back to God because we'll recognize how incredible he is. Now, let me step off from a more serious note to a little fun note here. Somebody asked, if dogs go to heaven, do dogs go to heaven? Do dogs go to, are there animals in heaven? Yes, there are animals in heaven. And let me just give you some scriptures. Somebody just went, there are animals in heaven. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open and a white horse. 
was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. That's pretty cool. So any horse lovers in here today? Anybody like horses? They're expensive. Kelly said, hey, can we get a horse? I said, they're expensive. I heard they eat like a horse. Expensive. But they're in heaven. Um, I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 65, and we're going to read verse 17 here. This is interesting. Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in my people. There's another place where Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. The Bible says Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem like a, wants to gather uh, Jerusalem together to him like a, uh, a hen would want to gather her, chi- her chicks. He's not weeping anymore. Here, Jesus is rejoicing of Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. I'm liking that one. I'm halfway there, 49. I'm going to turn. Wait, am I 49? Yeah, I'm 49. I think that's a sign of old age too when you forget your birthday. Halfway to 100. Only the cursed will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards, for my people will live as long as trees. And my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. For they are people blessed by the Lord, and their children too will be blessed." I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Now listen to this. Now, you know, just listen. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow, but the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. We see these new heavens. We see in heaven, in the new Jerusalem, When heaven comes down, we see a river. We see trees that their leaves will be healing for the nation. Things are growing. That river is teeming with life. It's not just going to be clouds. There's going to be a city whose ruler and maker is Jesus. And there will be no need for light because Jesus will be the light. It's, It's not just some pearly gates and someone standing there with a book. We're going to do things. It's going to be something else. Now, I don't know if your Fido is going to go there. You know, I don't know if your goldfish is going to go there. But it's not just going to be clouds. It's going to be an amazing thing for each, for each one of us to behold. Now, I want to close with this. If somebody come give me some music to help me land this plane would be really great. Here's another question that was asked. Maybe the most important question. Is there a real heaven? And is there a real hell? I want to answer that by saying this. 
you really can't understand how good the good news is until you understand how bad the bad news is. There is a real heaven and there is a real hell. The bad news is that there is a hell and people will spend an eternity there. It was not made for them. The Bible says it was made for Satan and his demons. C.S. Lewis says God does not sentence people to hell. Rather, he gives them over to what they've always wanted. Be separated from God and not under the rule or the dominion of God. But while hell was not created for us, heaven was. Heaven was created for us. The kingdom of God was created for us. It was prepared for you and me from the very beginning. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 31 says this, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, actually, if you go ahead and stand with me, please, at all of our campuses, go ahead and stand. But when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and he will separate the people He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep, verse 33, at his right hand and the goats at his left. Verse 34, Jesus says, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. I'm bringing you back to what you were intended for. The kingdom of God. I will be with you and you will be with me. And in verse 41, then the king will turn to those on the left and say, and let me just tell you, this will be a very terrible moment in all of history. He will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Verse 46 says, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. You know, I want to say praise God for that. Praise God that we have a home in heaven. Thank the Lord for that same time it's so hard to say praise God that there will be people who will choose there will be people who will choose to spend an eternity separated from God statistically there will be people in this room who will have heard this sermon who will have been to small group been to Sunday school been to pathway kids been to all kinds of stuff and you will still choose to separate yourself and be on the left hand of God And he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't even know who you are. And then we will say, one other question. Pastor Will, I know my loved ones that don't make it to heaven. Well, I know. Now, I I don't see that exact question answered in there, but I know at one point, at one point, that every tear will be wiped away from our eyes. There'll be no more mourning, no more sorrow. 
There'll be no more sadness. It will not exist. I cannot imagine that I would know that one of my children would spend an eternity separated from God and I wouldn't be sad. I think at that point, I will not know anymore. I will be overwhelmed by Jesus. And that's what I'm saying here is, yes, get to heaven, but also get heaven into other people while the getting is still good. You know, while it's still day. Don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop praying for your neighbors. Don't be brokenhearted. Don't give up. Don't say, I'm gonna stop. I'm done with you. Don't do that. As long as there is breath in your loved one's lungs, you keep going to the Father that is able to save, heal, and restore. Pastor, isn't that cruel that God would do it? No, it, it, Pastor, isn't it cruel that God would send his son to be crucified? I heard somebody say it's cosmic child abuse. No, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus that he, we would have a way. I'll tell you what's cruel is if when our kids were growing up, they said, well, I don't feel like going to church today. And we said, okay, okay, it's only eternity. You go ahead and stay home, play the Xbox. You go ahead, I know you're tired from having that sleepover. I know you're worn out from school. No, I love, because I love you, you're coming to church. <laughs> because I love you, we're gonna sit down and we're gonna pray. We're gonna open up the word of God. Don't, Pathway Church, don't be weary in well-doing. We're gonna reap if we don't faint. And that reaping, that harvest that we're gonna get, it's not just us making it across the finish line, but it's that we're gonna stand before God with our, by faith, with our sons and daughters and with our neighbors, our loved ones, people that have been disassociated from the church, they have left the church, turned their back on God. Listen, as long as the clock is still moving, there's still time. And that's what we're believing for today, amen? Aren't you glad for that today? Can we bless the Lord? We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.